You are listening to It's Always Friday the 13th, slash the franchise guys, slash darkest hour, slash every night is Halloween, slash March Madman. Wow, that is a lot of names. But uh, names aside, this is the milestone episode 100 of the podcast that began way back in March 2015. And we are looking back tonight at the many incarnations of the show since its inception. I know a good percentage of you have been with us from the beginning, or at least gone back to check out old episodes, so I know this is going to be fun for you and us, long-time listeners, archive delvers, and all of the hosts of our show. Yes, it is my great pleasure to tell you that tonight... All four co-hosts of the show are together for the very first time. That's right, it's me, John Evans, as well as the writer of Rennie Harlan's Devil's Pass, as well as the worthy Vikram Wheat, and Emmy-nominated producer Rich Eckersley, and yes, everybody, the one and only horror film director, writer, and producer, Michael T. Kuchek. Mike, of course. (laughs) we had to have you we had to have you you're a foundational pillar of this pod for the first four years we're so glad you could be with us tonight to celebrate our 100th episode everyone wants to know what have you been up to the last few years but first tell us how you're doing tonight and what the hell are you drinking i am doing very well uh and i'll be doing uh even better uh within a short period of time (laughs) because i am drinking vodka out of a moscow mule cup I know, I can see mm. that. It's a nice golden mug. One of the upsides of a uh, Moscow Mule Cup is uh, if you drunkenly knock it to the floor, it doesn't break. <laughs> it just right. bounces. It's indestructible. <laughs> My screenwriter sippy cup. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing to have. Well, I picked out, in honor of tonight's show, it's the Campfire Stout. And Campfire obviously has a slasher movie connotation, and there is a bear, a bear at a fire at 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 this campfire. So this is this one's bear. going out to it's always uh, Friday. Bears and campfires were a big part of the first uh, era of this show, and it's also a tasty high water brewing stout. It's it's delicious. So Vic, uh, what do you have going over there, buddy? Then I, I wish I had something special. You know, I've been I've been downing uh, a lot of backwoods bastard lately, but. Uh, Today it's just an old favorite, New Belgium Triple. So, but I I did mm-hmm. save it, which I'm proud of myself for. I don't always have the self control for that. So let me just see if I can pop this open on mic. I listened back to our Friday the Thirteenth Part Six episode uh, as research and realized just how often we popped open cans and bottles back in the day. I missed that, so I wanted to be sure that I saved this in honor of that. Let's see if I can get this here. Oh, nice. I heard it. I heard it. It sounded great. Mazel tov. Well, I do remember uh, Mike and I recorded in person at my place in Venice using an old school digital recorder. I forget the brand. I hadn't met my wife yet back then. I remember my cat was missing. I got him back, but he was gone for like six weeks. We didn't even have a title for the show yet when we recorded. Vic, you were introduced as a guest. We switched to Skype or a conference line or something. And then I guess you were calling in from Chatsworth. Maybe Mike went into the other room and called in on his cell phone or something because my audio quality is distinctly better than both of you guys. But yeah, we kind of set the template in place that, that night on uh, Friday the 13th, 
March 13th, 2015 is at least when the episode aired. And it's been downloaded a ton of times. I think more than any other show we've ever put out, weirdly. And I just don't think there was a, a ton of major horror podcasts around then. And the reason I referenced that beer was that very memorably in that season, we identified an unlikely but extremely consistent motif in the Friday movies, bears. There are far more references to bears than you would ever begin to expect, even in a movie or movies that spend a lot of times at campgrounds and lakes where, you know, obviously the woods are usually close by. Uh, We had a lot of laughs about that, wondering if Jason could beat a bear in a fight Spoiler, yeah, we think he could. Uh, I think the bear watch ended up a part of it from Grizzly Man. Uh, Guys, I, I really look back fondly on it. Hello and welcome to the very first edition of the Friday the 13th podcast starring myself, John Evans, and my co-host, Mike Kuchiak. How are you today? Mike? I'm, I'm fantastic. You know, John, if we the first thing that we do... We need like a cool title for this. We do. You know what I mean? Friday the awesome teenth. For right now, you know, the you know, this is what it is is a Friday the thirteenth podcast in which every every episode we're going to go in depth conversation about one of the films in this seminal horror genre. Mike, what are some of your memories from our It's Always Friday the thirteenth show? Terrible audio, for one thing. <laughs> uh, I didn't have any kind of setup, so I, I think actually on that first episode, I was bellowing at my laptop in the next room, uh, mm-hmm. and that continued on for a while until I, I couldn't tolerate it anymore. <laughs> I couldn't tolerate the sound of my own garbage audio, and I bought a Yeti, and uh, that even didn't do it because I put it on my desk surface, and the desk surface would pick up the vibrations of my voice as it picked up. So even when I was editing these audios, I was constantly going through and pulling out the of the fucking microphone. That and um, severe drunkenness. While you're uh, kind of being nostalgic right now with your drink of choice, I'm being nostalgic with my vodka because I used to get really fucking hammered when we would do those shows. In fact, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and I mentioned in passing that, yeah, I used to have this podcast Friday the 13th. He's like, wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. It would be really cool to check out those old episodes. I'm like, well, if you've ever had the urge to listen to me drunkenly slur about Friday the 13th Part 8 for four hours, <laughs> then that itch can be scratched. That is this. That finger is there to scratch that itch. It's right there in the depths of Podbean. We talked about that so long that I was yeah. blackout drunk, and, and it, it was a two-parter. I had to learn what I said by listening to the second half. (laughs) Oh, that's actually a pretty good point, Drunk Mike. (laughs) Hooray, Drunk Mike. (laughs) Well, uh, Rich, welcome to the show. Glad that uh, you could jump on with us. I know you were a listener before you uh, joined the show. Did you ever listen to any of these Friday the 13th uh, ones that we did? I did. And first off, I just want to acknowledge this is my first time actually sort of experiencing uh, Mike Kuchek in person. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Nice <laughs> hey, to man. meet you. Pleasure to meet you. All right, Rich. Well, I, I see you You don't have a bowl of stew in front of you, but uh, possibly a glass of white wine or a pizza you port. Know what? Joke's on you, John. I've got a bowl of stew right here. <laughs> oh, you do. You do. <laughs> Folks at home, he literally does. 
I'm not even kidding. He literally has so, a bowl uh, of stew. Ah, the signature. Really have a bowl of stew, uh, <laughs> and we got a we got a glass of a uh, black box cabernet is uh, is the drink of choice. It's been a it's been a rush day. I have one beer left in the fridge, and I want to <laughs> save it for a for a climactic moment in the in the podcast. Outstanding. So I'm I'm pacing myself in in a manner of speaking. <laughs> Anyways, I, I do want to go back and answer a question, John. Yes, I do have very fond memories of listening to uh, It's Always Friday the 13th. I have been a loyal listener since uh, since episode one wow. of that podcast. Um, and I followed you guys through the, the darkest hour. Um, obviously, I, I knew you, John, and, and Vic and I are longtime friends. So I started listening through that avenue. I always really enjoyed the show. I always really honestly enjoyed the conversations. I used to walk my dog to this podcast and like it was like when a new episode dropped, I was excited. I would often listen to it start to finish. And so, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you guys back together. And um, I was I was excited to become a, a part of it when I when I finally did. Jesus Christ, Rich, nobody listened to our podcast start to finish. That's like that's like four hours, man. I don't know, man. I, I, I made it through some pretty long ones. Like I remember we had we had other friends who, who were listening to the pod and they were like they were like, I can't do four hours. So I was like, oh, really? Like I got through it. They're like, they're like, Friday the 13th, four? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty epic. <laughs> that's good to hear, man. And Mike, tell us what you've been up to, man. I know you've been a, a very busy man out there making movies. So uh, catch us up. I am the writer, director, producer, and editor of a horror movie called Death Metal. Uh, I would say we are 93% done with post at this stage. I just got back from New York where we're uh, working on post, and by the time this episode drops, for all I know, we'll actually have Death Metal be done. In August and September of this past year, I also went to New Jersey, and uh, we shot a movie called The Last Call, I did not direct that one. I wrote the screenplay, and I am a producer on it, and I play a firefighter in one scene, and that was a lot of fun. In terms of present and future, we have a product called Cursed. We have Mickey Rourke attached, Lindsay Lohan, and we're actively pulling that project together with an eye on shooting it in April, May, maybe June at the latest of this year, so uh, in Sudbury, Ontario. I did a script for hire gig uh, late last year, and uh, I'm actually getting a notes call for that next week. I'm currently rewriting Run for the millionth time. Oh, man. So, uh, <laughs> it's now called Car Chase uh, because there are other movies called Run out there. And, we we could know, talk for at uh, least it, an hour just about Run, Mike, just running through yes, every yes. iteration of that project <laughs> with various right. directors well, uh, attached and talent. Currently, we're chasing some Netflix money, so that's the uh, log line that's indestructible. It just won't yeah. die. Uh, you know, when, when you pitch it, everyone goes, ooh, and then you actually try to make the fucking thing. And <laughs> but again, it's, one day, it's, you know, given the fact I, I, I spent seven years in an office where we're working on getting the Meg made and and I came in late on that. Like they'd already put in like a decade plus on that one. So mm -hmm. and that and the giant it, shark movie got made. So it happened. I, you know, my kooky. My kooky car chase movie could. I've always said you're one of the hardest working men in Hollywood, so I'm, I'm glad it's it's coming yeah. together for you. Vic, I, I didn't get your memories. Do you have any of the early days of It's Always Friday before we move on to the next incarnation of the show? I know you yeah, hated I, it, but I, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did hate it. I hated both of you. I still do. 
Uh, Mike, I don't, know if, I don't know if you noticed this, but my most of my my our podcast is just me telling John how much I hate him and and how much I hate his taste in movies. So yeah, Vic and I uh, clash a yeah, lot more than you and I used to, Mike. I, I miss you on the show, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> well, I, I listened to the last two or three episodes, like maybe two and a half. I and for, from that, I took away the fact that apparently I like Child's Play a lot more than you guys do. So yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I yeah. was the only one who voted for Child's Play. If memory serves me, like I was, I was back in Child's Play. I wouldn't say I loved it, but. I love that movie. I, I, I am uh, at the forefront of the line. I'm convinced that Tom Holland is an unrecognized master of horror. There was an anniversary of Child's Play. I forgot about 25, 30 years, whatever. The, it doesn't matter. But uh, it played at a theater in Los Feliz, and Tom was there, and I went there and got hammered, and I watched Child's Play on the big screen for the first time in decades, and I had a blast. I love that movie. And I should yeah. point out that I am from Chicago, Illinois, and uh, Chicago, specifically Illinois as a whole, is a locus of the slasher movie genre because we've got Candyman, we've got Child's Play right there in the Windy City itself, and if you throw it out to the rest of the state, we got Halloween, the granddaddy of them all. So, did yeah. you see Hatchet Two by any chance, Mike, with Tom Holland in an acting role? No, he... I, I'm 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 such a super fan of Tom Holland that no, I did not see him act in Hatchet Two. I, I haven't seen Hatchet Two. I, I watched the first Hatchet. I liked it, and it's ju- they're just uh, sequels that I just haven't seen. They're they're kind of on the to watch list. Well, uh, the next era of our show was the franchise guys, and uh, after F13, we rebranded with that moniker with the plan to work our way through uh, multiple big film franchises. And for this, this is the only time we weren't like right on the bullseye of the horror genre. We were horror adjacent, I guess, with the Alien and Predator franchises, and those were the only ones we we tackled. And I, I know it was fun talking about those movies. Hello, you are listening to the very first episode of The Franchise Guys. We are a podcast that looks at film franchises with a very ridiculous degree of passion and intensity, but that's why you'll want to listen to it if you enjoyed our first show. It's always Friday the 13th. You're going to get that similar type of goodness, and if you're with us for the first time, I hope you like it. My name is John Evans. I'm joined by Vikram Wheat, Michael T. Kuchek. We are all relatively active Hollywood professionals or former Hollywood professionals. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, do you remember this period in time? It caused me to watch the Alien vs. Predator movies in the first place. The, The original Alien and Aliens... Uh, very clearly, they're they're subjective in terms of where they lie, in terms of which is better. For a lot of people, it's it's kind of which is your ten, which is your eleven, because both of those films are so fucking brilliant that it really just kind of you know, for some people, it's Aliens takes it by a uh, an edge. I, I'm a little bit more of an Alien singular guy, but. Not for one second am I going to breathe a negative word about aliens. It's just I, I, I like that horror movie aspect, you know, take on it a little bit more. Yeah, it's a haunted and, house uh, in space. Aliens. 
it's it's just a brilliant movie that every time I see it blows me right the fuck away. I, I saw it at Synespia a couple of years ago, and I was just sitting there in awe. I was in awe in awe of this film. It's so good. And uh, Aliens is you know, and the first Predator are movies that I can throw on anytime. And Alien 3 is a movie that I hated so much in the theater, like I was angry about it. And this was back when I was a film school nerd, so I would do stupid stuff like get angry at movies. That... <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I've, I've actually since come, yeah, I've since come to not quite love, but thoroughly enjoy that movie and appreciate it for what it is attempting to do and sometimes doing. What I remember is that when we recorded the Aliens podcast, we recorded for so long that I had errands to run that I could not not do. And so if you listen, I am on my cell phone for large parts of that podcast <laughs> in Home Depot. And we finally wrapped up in the produce section of a Stater's, Stater Brothers in Santa Clarita. But you can hear in the background of the podcast when they'd be like, uh, we need a checker on five. You can hear that in the back of the podcast because wow. we recorded for like five hours. <laughs> That's um, amazing. I, I drove I drove to the store uh, recording. <laughs> I, I, I would say, just to interject very briefly, is there anything more 21st century thing to do than to be recording your podcast while grocery shopping? Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So true. <laughs> Tell me that you're in the 21st century without saying you're in the 21st century. Exactly. Well, and also I will say I believe that Alien 3 is the only podcast in these 100 that I am not on. Oh shit, you're not? Wow. I didn't even realize yeah. that. Wow. I oh. don't even I I don't even remember why. So I'm the only one who's on every episode. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Next is uh, Darkest Hour, uh, which was our least specific rebrand and technically also encompassed the next season, which was Every Night is Halloween. We jumped around a lot more. We did movies like Tombs of the Blind Dead, It Follows, The Witch, The Void. There was really no rhyme or reason to the movies we picked, except that they were horror and we loved them and we wanted to talk about them. And I definitely enjoyed that. That was the most freewheeling period of the show and I, I like that we were completely footloose and fancy free and we talked about newer stuff and it, it was definitely a lot of fun tonight we are talking about tombs of the blind dead or as aip released it blind dead in a bastardized american version which i had the sorrow to learn last night that that's the version that vic watched Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, were you watching the one on Shudder? Is that what it is? Yes. It's the one on Amazon. Now, wait, John, I just want to say, because you really put the ball in my court there. I watched <laughs> the version that you told me in the email to watch, and That's... then told me last night you were like, oh, yeah, wait, this one seems all wrong. Get the DVD if you can. <laughs> How am I going to get a DVD at 10 o'clock at night on a fucking Wednesday? <laughs> <laughs> my my sorrow, my chagrin, my shame, my guilt, all of that is uh, intense right now, Vic. Considering... Well, John, I, I only show up to bring shame and chagrin to you. So, uh, <laughs> Don, get on with the show. Mike, uh, do you have any thoughts on, on that time before we went into Halloween, the franchise? The two-parter that we did about It Follows was probably the high point of that 
era. Mm-hmm. I was also doing my best to kind of get the I was trying to pump up the podcast at that time online, and uh, those are those episodes are probably our lowest numbers, yeah, in terms of listenership. I think because since we were reviewing newer movies, there was nothing particularly special about our podcast because it's like we were talking about it follows. So was every other horror podcast in the world out there. Like, no, if we had a niche to carve out, it was, yes, we're going to talk about Friday the 13th part four for four motherfucking hours. (laughs) And that was the specialty uh, that we could do. But, you know, just talking about like a horror movie that had just come out, uh, unless you're a diehard fan, like, Eckersley here, you know, uh, you're, you're just like, you know, you're probably listening to the last podcast of the left or. Oh yeah. Know. Final guys. I, I was, I was going to say, I, I appreciate the credit there though. I do distinctly remember that. I think it was tombs of the blind dead is definitely one podcast. I did not make it to the <laughs> end of because I was just like, <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck they're talking yeah. about. Like, that movie is pretty but obscure. That's, you know, that, that's on me. That's on me for not having seen tombs of the blind dead, but it was, I was a little too detached at that point. Well, what you do is you listen to the podcast, and it's like, these guys who I respect so highly love this movie so much, I must now pause the podcast, watch the movie, then I shall come back. Have you seen the movie since then? I, I have not seen the movie since then, although I, I will oh, say that, that John keeps out. on a schedule where I, where I do have about 12 <laughs> movies a week that I have to watch otherwise, so <laughs> you can see where it's hard to wedge it in. Yeah, Mike, I hate to tell you this, but since we started this March Mad Men format... Um, the only time I ever watch a horror movie that is not directly connected to our podcast, it's like at the end of the night, like when I'm really drunk sometime and like I'm just, I put something on, but it's, it's really hard to go outside of whatever we're doing for the show. It's a noble cause and a noble calling. It's not time wasted. It's yeah. time well worth spent. There, there's no way I could do something like that right now. So it's like, you know, I, 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 res, I respect the, the, the journey you guys are on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. I want to say about the Darkest Hour podcast that the, the episode we did on The Witch is mm-hmm. the only podcast of ours that my wife has listened to. Oh. Because and I, why, I, why is that? Yeah. Because I, she would watch The Witch. Mm-hmm. So that was so that's that was what started it. So we so we watched the movie and then we went to John Evans, your wedding, <laughs> and we had to drive three hours back. And I said, We've got three hours. You're gonna listen to one podcast, just one <laughs> of what I've been doing for all these years. Uh, and she, she consented. She may have nodded off periodically, but but she did technically listen to it. So yeah, that's the that's the one. Honey, have you ever wondered what I'm doing in the spare bedroom <laughs> yeah. all of those hours? No. He says no. no. I just don't. No. I just don't no. care. I, I, I assume you're masturbating to something. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a way, we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. For the record, my wife has never listened to a single one, and she never will. <laughs> All right. What about Wendy? Has Wendy ever listened to this? No, Wendy's never listened to the podcast. <laughs> Not one? Oh. Except when she was standing yeah, in the room when I was talking about nudity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Wendy, Wendy just stands like off mic and judges uh, from time to time, but she doesn't actually listen to the published podcast. <laughs> 
Yeah, we we recently had I went on a, a big rant. Uh, well, no, that air episode hasn't aired, so never mind. You are listening to another episode of the Darkest Hour Media Podcast, the show that takes a deep look at some of the greatest horror films of the past and present and gives them a loving, thorough autopsy. I'm John Evans, and I'm joined, as always, by Michael T. Kuchak and Vikram Wheat. Gentlemen, how are you? Vic, what's going on tonight? Well, you know, I've been wiping toddlers' asses, and uh, I'm ready to talk about horror movies. Sounds like a typical Thursday. How about you, Kuchak? I've been watching Vic wipe toddlers' asses in it's public. Streaming. You know, it's streaming online. It's live streaming, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's... You, should... <laughs> Dude, you, you should really just try to keep it to your own kids, man. I, I think you'll get into a lot less trouble. <laughs> Okay, well, this brings us to Every Night is Halloween, where we doubled back to the idea of film franchises with the idea to go deep on the Halloween movies the way we did with Friday the 13th. And this is where Mike departed after Halloween 5. I believe episode 41 was his last appearance. And then John and Vic went solo for a couple of movies, and Rich came on board for our Halloween Resurrection episode, which aired in June 2019. And he's uh, been with us ever since. 55 episodes, by my count. Though, obviously, we've been more prolific since then and dropped a lot of shorter episodes than back in the day where we would drop like a three and a half hours at the beginning of the month and three and a half hours at the end of the next month or something like that. (laughs) So, very different... uh, business model right now every night is halloween and every pod is covering an entry in the classic film franchise tonight we return to haddonfield for halloween resurrection the 2002 film that killed the original series at least until 2018 I'm John Evans, and joining me as always is screenwriter Vikram Wheat. Tonight we have a special guest with us as well, our friend and noted horror enthusiast, Rich Eckersley. Rich actually works in reality TV, so that makes him kind of a great fit for tonight's movie and its weird little uh, vaguely Big Brother-inspired series, uh, Dangertainment. How you doing tonight, yeah, Rich? Big Brother on a very small budget. <laughs> yes. Uh, I am doing, I'm doing excellent. Thanks for having me on. So glad you could join us, man. I mean, we've, we've talked, uh, about horror movies so often at barbecues and and events and things at Vic's house. It's, it's great to finally do this with microphones and have you on. Yeah. I've always thought when you're talking at a barbecue, the only thing that make it feel more natural is a bunch of microphones and doing it over the internet. (laughs) (laughs) How are you tonight, Vic? How you doing, buddy? I'm I'm doing very well, uh, Rich. I just want to say it, it really means a lot to me knowing that you you have listened to the podcast and still agreed to be on it. We we, we like that. So uh, and I thought I watching it again tonight. I was like, oh God, Rich really is the perfect guest for this, and it's just like dumb luck. Boy, it really did just work out very well. Vic, of course, is referring to his last watch, which you were probably watching it on your iPhone on the toilet. Were you not, Vic? <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a Galaxy S9, John. <laughs> it's like being in the theater, John. <laughs> and I, I was once again uh in my car giving it a second watch on my on my way home tonight, uh which which was not safe, 
but taking notes while driving was was even less safe. So I, I would uh, just hate to get the the call where it's like, uh, well, yeah, Vic went off that canyon road. Apparently, the TV was playing some kind of horror movie in his car. <laughs> <laughs> I like the conversation that goes. It was a it was a Halloween movie. Was it the first Halloween movie? No, it was it was Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> oh God. How many how many people did he take with him? There was a school bus of, of children. What a noble sacrifice. Yeah, what a noble sacrifice they made so that Vic could talk about Buster Rhymes' performance. Yes, if there was going to be one movie that you would careen off a cliff watching, uh, this would be the film. <laughs> if I had been watching Halloween 6, I, I probably would have considered steering into oncoming traffic. So, This is the one show all four of us were a part of. Uh, let's talk briefly about uh, the Halloween movies and, and what it was like spending so much time on, on them. Halloween, the original, is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I, it, any opportunity to sit around and just talk about this wonderful, wonderful film, I'm going to seize on. Ordinarily, uh, getting people to listen to me talk at length about certain films, RoboCop, Terminator, Halloween... It's easy to become the boring guy at the party, yeah, I, unless you're in a very specific situation with very specific people. And then the hours fly by. So, you know, there it is. I do want to say that I think our Halloween podcast was one of our best. Like, what the hell do I know? But I just remember the way we took apart the first Halloween it just really struck me as a personal highlight. I'll say that. Vic, uh, what do you, when you look back at that, I know it was a quite a grind because, you know, we were just, we went so deep into some pretty, let's face it, not great sequels. What are, you, what are your thoughts? It's funny you say that, John, because my thought is that I really came away from that process with a deeper appreciation for Halloween 4 and especially Halloween 5 which I know we talked about a lot because it's so hated among the movies and that my appreciation was largely for the character of Tina, yes. who is among the most hated characters in the franchise. Actually, I have uh, very so vivid that... memories of you, me, and Mike talking about Tina, like, a lot. Um, the three of us, like, talking about Tina and how cool that character really was, and also the guy that had the masks and Michael takes his masks and like starts wearing other masks in the car with, was that Tina? That was Tina. Yeah. She thought Michael was her boyfriend because right. he was wearing her boyfriend's mask, which was such an interesting I, that, scene. That's just one of those things where I really feel like that process had a lot of validity. Mm-hmm. Like we were, we were really pulling out stuff where I went, Oh shit. There really is some depth to these characters and there's, there's, arcs to the things that are happening in this. I think the other thing too in that whole process was tracking Donald Pleasance's performance as Loomis. Yes. And the way that he kept track of it more than the writers, more than the directors. Donald Pleasance made sure that that character had an arc certainly from 1 to 5. I'm going to say 6 he was kind of phoning it in. But 1 to 5 he really made sure that that, that was a consistent performance and and gave it depth and in some cases gave it more than the movies deserved and i feel that way about friday the 13th too like i came out of that whole process going even the worst of these of these franchise films 
there is stuff that is worth looking at and worth talking about. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, when, when it comes to Halloween specifically, I had kind of poo-pooed four and five. Uh, the, the only reason that I had watched these movies at all was because I, way back in high school, I my weed dealer was really into slashers, and he, he would come <laughs> over and like you know just to buy weed, I'd he'd show up with a VHS tape, and I'm like. Uh, okay yeah fine fuck we'll watch halloween 4 you know because he had no one else to watch it with he knew that was a horror guy i was already gear shifting into a place where like by my senior year of high school i was already like you know slashers come on you know i was way more of like a hellraiser kind of guy right i watched those movies kind of forgot about them outside of key scenes but then when we rewatched them again for the podcast i was like oh four is actually like kind of a good film and five is flawed. Uh, don't get me wrong, but there are like cool ideas. I like Tina a lot. There's moments in there that I think are are really neat. Circling back around to Vic, what you touched on with Friday the Thirteenth, like even five, which was kind of roundly hated, often considered to be the worst of the franchise. Uh, that is still a movie that, like, on rewatching it for the podcast, I was like. Okay, I, I can see what they're trying to do here and there. There, there's some cool ideas there. There's, there's kind of an interesting thing we're adding to the lore, the mythology. Five used to be my most hated. Now it's probably eight. It is, you know. Just, but I still drunkenly slurred about that for four or five hours. So yeah, I, I hate it so much I was able to talk about it for three times the running uh, length of the movie. You mean Jason takes Manhattan? <laughs> I just spent three months living in Manhattan working on death metal post-production. I didn't see Jason once. So I, I think that that entire thing is false advertising. I didn't see any Muppets. I didn't see Jason. Well, I mean, even in the movie, he was there for five minutes and the rest of it was shot in right. Canada. But, uh, of course. yeah, I want to throw it over to Rich because this is exactly where he comes in. But I'm kind of getting a big picture here for a moment, and I, I want to comment on that, that, yeah – we are looking at slasher movies in extraordinary detail right now, and the vast majorities of the movie that uh, movies that I've seen, whether or not they made it into our 64 film field or not, are movies that I don't really think would pay off under that kind of scrutiny and analysis. I don't think there are untapped depths and levels. And say what you want about the Friday the 13th sequels and the Halloween sequels, I really, I, I agree with you guys. I was somewhat, you know, making that previous remark tongue in cheek that I know all of them ended up being like surprising in different ways and generating great conversation and being fun to look at. And that, that was one of my big takeaways as well is that I developed, you know, an appreciation for these movies that I didn't expect and I, I think that there, that is something special about them because I, I don't think that's true. Like if we just, if we watched The Mutilator four times, we would be like, by the fourth time, we'd be like, oh, this is, this is actually really good, man. Yeah, I'm seeing all kinds of shit in it. I don't, I don't think that that's inherently true. <laughs> I think that there actually is a baseline of quality in these films just because, you know, whether it's the studio thing and just like they're throwing talent at it and, you know, something because there's some money and some intent and it's a brand name, but they ended up being weird and unique, each of them in their own different ways. 
And I, I did love that. So I, I definitely want to acknowledge that. But Rich, that's a good segue. We didn't hate Halloween Resurrection as much as we thought we would because we actually laughed our asses off talking about it. And while, I mean, I think it, it's probably fair to say Halloween Resurrection is the worst Halloween movie, we had a hell of a good time with Busta Rhymes and everything. And yeah, tell us about your first time on the show and all of your Halloween episodes. Fuck you, John. Halloween 6 is the worst one. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Was that the Paul Rudd one? Which, which, yeah, which edit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> producer's cut or, or a theatrical cut? And I'm not sure I agree with that. <laughs> but let's let let's not get into that. <laughs> I just love it. That's like the that's like the Monty Python. What do you mean, African or European? Swallow, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that. What? Uh, yeah. Good Monty Python I, reference. I gotta say, showing up to a Halloween podcast to start with Halloween Resurrection is kinda like showing up at a party after the cops have shown up. <laughs> like the good stuff is gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you can you can still like look if you came to like party like you can party, but like you know like the fun's over. Um, <laughs> you're standing no, in a you're kitchen. Right. You're standing in a kitchen and there's nothing but natty light left in the fridge, <laughs> <laughs> and just like a, a swaying Samoan dude, no chicks. It's like yeah, that's the party you walked into. I think that's a pretty good encapsulation of Halloween <laughs> Resurrection. Um, I mean, Buster Rhymes really like dealt the nef- the the death blow to uh to to michael yes um it, in in many in many ways in that film yeah that was an interesting point to join in i mean look i felt very like pressured like when when vic uh initially you know asked me if i wanted to get involved in it and i i did like immediately i was i was interested we actually started watching Halloween Resurrection in his house. I remember I had like a big, like yellow legal pad and was like furiously writing notes on it, um, which I would like flip through as we were, as we were going through the podcast, but it was such a fun way to explore a movie. I mean, exactly what you guys are saying. Like these are movies that for the better part of our lives, like we have enjoyed them by hanging on the sofa and watching them late at night and frequently drinking to them or, you know, like being high or just being in college, which in- captures all of those things in, in one experience. And after a lifetime of experiencing the films in that way, it was really fun to kind of step back and try to approach them from like a thoughtful, analytical um, point of view and really pick it apart and like write down details that otherwise were surely forgotten the next day and, and hash them out. That was cool. And I, and I will say that while the party kind of ended with Halloween Resurrection, I really enjoyed digging back into the Rob Zombie Halloweens where the series is kind of reborn in this totally different shape um, for better or worse. I do think I missed the David Gordon Green Halloween because I think you guys did it prior to Resurrection just because of when it got released. I dodged a bullet there. But uh, in terms of like dealing with like the, the zombie Halloweens, like that's like a totally different perspective that I associate with a very different period in my life. And I came to really appreciate the the vision that that Rob Zombie had, while I think that it had its flaws, like we've talked extensively um, about how it had a lot of strengths as well and brought a lot of things to the table that the the original series didn't. So that was really exciting to like dive into those movies too. Yeah, I want to run this by Mike because the first time I saw Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, 
was like on a Sunday morning after he and I had gone hard the last the night before, getting drunk, watching movies, probably getting high. And it was like we just put it on at like 10 a.m. on a Sunday. And it did not make that much of an impression on me. I don't think it did on you either, Mike. But then when I rewatched it for our show, actually, I really, really like Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. I think it's actually better than the original Halloween 2 and better than Rob Zombie's Halloween 1. Have you ever revisited it? And regardless, how do you feel about Halloween 2? I've never revisited either of uh, Zombies Halloween movies, but I would agree with that. Two is way better than uh, the quote-unquote real two and uh, Zombies' first one. I, I had zero interest in performing a backstory for Michael Myers. I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't think that that served the character uh, and delivering a truncated version of the original movie in the last act, uh, that, that film didn't do a whole lot for me, but yeah, yeah it, it almost felt like zombie had to get that stuff out of the way to do a movie that was closer to, uh, his heart, I guess you could say Halloween two. It's an interesting film. And there's a scene in there in which Michael kills a girl in like a washroom or something like that. And it's extraordinarily brutal. Yes. Uh, it really, it, it, it's one of the few times in a, slasher movie that it feels like i'm actually watching someone get murdered with a knife and uh it's it's a horrible scene and then her father comes home and finds the corpse and he is ruined and uh, it's it's this stuff that is like it's organic and it's horrible and suddenly it's like there this isn't fun anymore this is now a horror movie and it uh, like that stuff really stuck out to me. And I also dig it when when zombie gets weird. I I, I like when he indulges in in like dream sequencey kind of stuff. And like he just puts his wife on like a horse and like shoots her in slow motion, <laughs> shit like that. It, it's a flavor of ice cream that I enjoy. So uh, and he indulged significantly in that one. Two revolves really heavily around the Michael Laurie Strode sister brother element which has been consistently my least favorite aspect of that franchise. Uh, I, I, I think it was a, a misstep. I, I understand why it was made in the original Halloween 2. I just don't like it. You know, it, it, feel, it felt like uh, Zombies Halloween 2 dragged that baggage along with it. And that's my least favorite part of that movie. But I don't know. I, I've, I've watched that movie exactly once, but the things that I like about it stick out in my mind in a very strong fashion. So... I, I feel like uh, you should probably check it out again, honestly, because I, I think you, you might really even appreciate it more. Sounds like it. That could bring us to March Mad Men, our, our latest incarnation. But while we're talking about Halloween, Mike, really quick, uh, we never got your opinion about the David Gordon Green films. Give us, in a nutshell, Have you? I assume you've watched both of them, but where do you stand on them? I, I think every incarnation of Halloween has its strengths. And uh, the last two are, they're really well shot and they're uh, interested in exploring ideas that we haven't seen in other Halloween movies. Uh, I, I dig like Laurie's, uh, you know, booby-trapped house. Uh, I really like that, that weird like checkerboard ground asylum in the first movie, you know, just stuff like that. All of them have something to say about this scenario. And the two new ones are are like that. They're, they're of a piece. 
I actually totally forgot. Like when I was saying that we that I had dodged that bullet, I actually completely forgot that we did an episode on Halloween Kills, and that was like only a few months ago. But it has literally been erased from my mem- my memory. <laughs> yeah, I'm but, not a big fan of either of them, really. Um, I mean, I don't disagree with anything Mike said about them, but I think they're they're more annoying to me than they are cool so like they kind of the bad outbalances the good but you never know i mean like 10 years from now maybe i will revisit them and you know i i will see things i don't see now but uh, at the moment the writing is painful especially in the second one okay march mad men our latest incarnation a it's an absurdly ambitious multi-year project that is almost certain to never be completed But uh, we've set out to work our way through the entire universe of horror movies, crown the best of each type, and then determine what single movie is the greatest of all time. So we've done Haunted House movies. That was season one. The Shining was crowned the champion of that tournament. And now we're in the midst. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Vic, Vic, just tell us for the record, what was the greatest Haunted House movie of all time? I was I was the dissenting vote. The answer is Oculus is the greatest haunted house film of all time. Mike Flanagan's Oculus. You know, I I think that you're so far out on a limb on there that I, I respect the hell out of it. And I I'm ha- I mean, Rich and I both loved it enough to get it to the final four. And I think we would both say it was number two. So we're we're right there with you. Yeah, Mike. Real quick, is The Shining better than Oculus, or no? Mike, was, Mike, Mike left the room. Mike stepped oh. away. I'm oh. going to use this opportunity. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use this opportunity to say that I agree that Oculus is the the second best uh, haunted house film of all time, uh, right after Lake Mungo. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot. Rich, Rich is a Mungo head. <laughs> well, that would make Rich. That would make The Shining third, which makes it fucking absurd that you voted for it. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that was uh, that was a fun debate. That was a fun I, debate. I guess I'd say that Oculus is second to The Shining, <laughs> and Lake Munga. Well, yeah, well, and, and and The Shining is second to Lake Munga. All right, Rich, I, we're gonna have to talk about your math, man, because it's not. I'm just, I'm just not keeping up here. <laughs> you know, I think the point was that was a season where the final four were all winners, right? Like we can, we're splitting hairs, okay? Yeah, yeah, honestly. That's, that's true. Yeah, the final four, we want to give love and respect to that that final four because all of those movies, they blew us the fuck away and they all deserve to be there. And yeah, I mean, that was one where crowning one of them almost felt unfair. Now that Mike is back, Mike? Yeah? Do you, if you were going to yeah. say, what what is, Mike, the greatest haunted house film of all time in your opinion? Oh, it's The Shining. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> okay. You should have given him options, John. <laughs> well, uh, as opposed to Oculus or Lake Mungo, <laughs> or what was the other one? Terrified. Terrified. Right. Was in yeah. the final four. Yeah. Terrified is a very good movie. I think you can find a, a host of gr- of good horror films that have great first two acts and mm-hmm. can't stick the landing. That that is, I think that's been a running theme for me across both the haunted houses and the slasher genre. Mm-hmm. 
that really sticking the sticking the landing, really having a third act and a climax that work is one of the hardest things to find in a horror film. Would you guys agree with that? I would. Yeah, of, of any for any subgenre of horror film, really. A climax of a story told in a movie based on three act structure involves the characters doing something about their situation, which is inherently giving them agency, which is not scary. True. Ordinarily, movies give them, and especially in like ghost stories, they you know they give them like some like a doodad to do, a uh, spell to cast, you know, like the wailing is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Two amazing acts, and then like a third act where it's just like, ah, oh, okay, that's what they're known. Okay, all right, well, whatever. I think there are like kind of three acts to every horror movie, and uh, they're not quite as exact as the Sid Field, you know, three act structure. But it's basically act one, the characters don't know that they're haunted. And that could be by the ghost, by the stabber, whatever the fuck, by the animal. The characters as a whole, the ensemble, isn't aware that they're being haunted. So they're being picked off perhaps one by one off screen, but generally everyone else thinks that it's business as usual. Act two is the characters realize that they're haunted, but they don't know what to do about it. So they're all scared, they're running around, la la, this, that. They're gaining information. It's still horror because the characters realize that they're haunted and they realize how fucked they are. And in Act 3 of every horror movie, its characters figure out something to do about it and they do the thing. They take the fight to the antagonist in some right, way. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. And almost every horror movie that I've ever seen follows those like very loose act beats where uh, you're lo- watching a chunk of the movie where the characters are like, even, even if like some masked galoot is killing them, it's happening in a remote situation or you know, like, like everyone in the cabin doesn't know that they're fucked yet. Act two is they know they're fucked, but they don't know what to do about it. Act three is, okay, we're fucked, but here's something we can maybe do about it. And they do the thing. And that's what brings them to resolution. So. Before I even like throw it to Rich, I want to add that even slasher movies specifically have this bizarre trope, which is the heroine usually doesn't know that anything is wrong until at least the midpoint of the movie. And sometimes not even until the third act at all. Does she even know that people are getting killed? Which I find really funny. Like, like they're yeah. the last to know that all of this shit is happening. This has just I, given me an idea for a horror comedy where somebody has no idea that they're in a horror movie through the whole thing. That's brilliant. And it's like, and it's like over the credits, she's like wandering around the house and finding all the bodies. <laughs> I love I, that. I just want to, I just want to point out before John said, uh, "I'm gonna let you finish." That, um, <laughs> that you know, what I want to. Uh, what I want to comment on with what uh, Mike was saying is that what I think is really interesting about the three finalists, I know this is getting away from slashers, but like just follow the topic. The three final haunted house films that we chose and we all sort of championed, like Oculus, Lake Mungo, and The Shining, are three films where I would argue that the protagonist ultimately fails. Like the person that you're really following in the movie doesn't get the magic doodad and doesn't solve it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Wendy certainly gets away in the in the shining and like the you know the family lives in like Mungo, but that was never really what was at stake. Like ultimately the person whose journey you're following, like 
they are consumed by the exact thing that was haunting them in the in the first act and so like it lacks that um, it breaks the formula it breaks the formula the, the the best of the genre are are the ones that take what is good about the genre deliver the scares of the genre you still want that payload but find something that isn't quite as cookie cutter uh to do with what you're going about with now i i should say purely as a side note kind of circling back you guys asked me what was the best horror movie or, or haunted house movie i immediately answered the shining because i and of course that's how all good and intelligent people would immediately respond <laughs> and I, I i would say that, yeah uh, ultimately your Marsha Badman thing is a gigantic waste of time because <laughs> if you were like to sit down and be like, okay, we're going li- to watch 64 haunted house movies to decide which is the best one. Well, I could solve that for you right now. The shining two words, <laughs> I, which is going to be the best slasher movie. I could solve that for you. I could solve that for you right now. It's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I... <laughs> shit. Shit. And That's my vote. <laughs> over, over Halloween, Mike, really? <laughs> well, see, here, here is the thing. Uh, again, we're talking about subjective alien versus aliens kind of things. Uh, Halloween, as I've already stated, I dearly love this movie. It's one of my core hard hardwiring films. And it is the movie that I would first show anybody who asked, what is a slasher movie? It is as close to an er slasher film as has ever been made. You, you can go to like earlier ones that inform it, but it's like, you know, there, there were albums that are kind of sort of technically heavy metal before Black Sabbath puts out Black Sabbath, right? So it's like, I mean, Halloween is basically the Black Sabbath of the slasher genre. I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre a little bit more just for its own weirdness and my own proclivities and la 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 la. So if someone sat me down and said, Michael T. Kuchak, I am interested in this whole slasher movie thing. What should I watch first? I would say Halloween. And then they would ask, what is your favorite slasher movie? I would say, well, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But you should watch Halloween first, and here's why. So, anyway. Well, Mike, so I want to you... I wanna, I wanna quickly say thank you for invalidating our entire um, exercise here. But... <laughs> sure. Well, well, I, I will say that there mm-hmm. is value for the same reason that there was value to It's Always Friday the 13th, uh, Every Night is yes. Halloween, da 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 Because there is a value to watching... 64 slasher movies because you're going to find gems that you haven't seen before. You're going to find cool stuff. You know, I mean, if you guys love horror movies, you're going to, this is still not a waste of your time, but I mean, ultimately it's like, you know, I, I, who's the winner? Well, you know, come on. Well, we, 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 (laughs) we think we know going in, right. But I mean, like, why should that just go unchallenged? Let's truly put it to the test. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I I think there's a value to that, you know. Yeah, I, I don't I don't mm-hmm. think any of us would have picked terrified Oculus, like no, Mojo and The Shining as the final four, and I don't think any of us would argue with those as the final four. How yeah. high did the entity go? That's not a haunted house movie. Oh, you consider that a demon movie? Yes, yes. Okay, so that's going to be in mm-hmm. season three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a and, good. And, and by the way, uh, the winner of that one is going to be The Exorcist. So I just saved you guys sixty-four hours. So. One hundred twenty-eight just... hours, Mike. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we just cooker cookie cutter everything and yeah. never actually put it through a rigorous process, yeah, we'll just rubber stamp everything to the sure. end of time. But you know, to actually 
look at it seriously and you know yeah we go into it with a thesis that the shining is the greatest haunted house movie and you know it came pretty close to losing and you know i i think it was pretty debatable honestly and i mm. never would have expected that outcome to be possible like the shining had my vote in permanent marker from the beginning and it, yeah. it did ultimately keep it but yeah, I discovered three other movies that I ended up loving a hell of a lot more than I thought I was going to. And I, mm -hmm. I do honestly understand why both both Vic, Mike, I am the vote for The Shining. Both Vic and Rich preferred other movies. It's just The Shining ended up winning because of the process, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's uh, that could happen again. TCM is my favorite at this moment. Uh, obviously, Vic likes Halloween. I don't know what what Rich's personal favorite is. Rich, you don't even have to disclose it right now. But I mean, it's going to be fun to find out. Like, because we're going to. And, and, and again, uh, the the difference between I should say, if we're talking about the original, it's TCSM. It, if we're going to talk about the difference between TCSM and Halloween, it's Alien and Aliens. It's like which is your subjective eleven? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, because they're both say... so good. Also, like, as as a fan of like movies and, and music as general, like like I still you know I at the end of the year like I still enjoy a good like top ten list, and frequently yeah. the thing that I'm really like attracted to when I read those lists is the thing that showed up at number seven that I haven't seen, not the thing at number one that I have seen. Right. So like I think that's part of what what's fun about the process is is that maybe it is uh, inevitable that like the shining would win the the best haunted house film competition but what's more interesting to me is the movies that ended up on the podium along with it yeah and how they ended up there like that to me is cool because i would not have i, I would have predicted shining at number one i would not have predicted oculus and mungo at, at two and three yeah. Well, there there is a cool thing about challenging Shining because you know we we should never seal our our favorites in plastic and right. put them on a pestle. Uh, like uh, The Shining should remain the best haunted house movie ever made because it, it because it, it's still the Mike Tyson that gets into the ring. It should be able to take on all comers. You know, yeah. um, it should it, and it needs to hold up, which it's done a remarkable job of holding up. But, you know, there might be a day where it doesn't. I mean, and we have to be open to that. And that's nothing to be sad about. Sure. I mean, it'll be great if, if some movie is better than The Shining. I hope I live to fucking see it, right? Don't you? Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, how, oh, what a terrible thing to happen. Yeah, I, I hope I'm never that guy. What a house movie Yeah, The Shining. Yeah, I'll never be like, well, I'm shining till till I die. Yeah, I, I, I don't own Jimmy Stewart in, in, in The Shining Incorporated or anything like that. I don't give a shit. Um, All right, I'm going to open a second beer, the Heretic Evil Twin, which is actually a, a, a kind of a blood rage reference. Um, oh, oh my God, I got I got beer on my screen. Uh oh. Sorry, isn't that isn't that heretic? Heretic. What did I? Her what did I call it? Heretic. 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 Yeah. yeah. I think like you're thinking of a diuretic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, I need to wipe my screen off, guys. This is bad. I think, yeah, think marketing-wise, diuretic might be the perfect thing to name a beer. <laughs> <laughs> if you're saying you have all of these options. And you have diuretic, especially if it's on tap. 
Well, if you're trying to cut weight, Mike, if you're trying to cut weight. Yeah, I'm on, man. <laughs> Come on, dude. Well, let's get serious about the show here. Uh, Mike, something that we've really wrestled with in figuring out what movies are eligible for this tournament and which aren't is what defines a slasher film. What are its essential characteristics? What does it have to do? What can't it do? What's your personal criteria about for what makes a movie a slasher film versus some other kind of horror movie or even not horror at all? At core, you could say that a slasher is a horror movie in which the antagonist is basically human or human-like and kills someone with uh, hand weapons. Uh, We rarely see guns used in horror and slasher movies like every once in a while you'll have it but but they're the exceptions to the rule like uh in maniac Mm -hmm. uh he Mm -hmm. blows a dude's head off with a shotgun in prowler uh he uses a sawed-off shotgun again but i mean even when a gun is used it's almost always going to be like a again like a sawed-off shotgun like a very close up front like I have to get right next to you and I have to use this thing to blow your head off in a grisly fashion. We can all probably agree that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a slasher. It's a big galoot who runs around and he uses a chainsaw to kill people. But there's also the family element uh, that's integral to the TCM or TCSM franchise. So then we have to ask, well, if TCSM is a slasher, then too is uh, The Hills Have Eyes. A slasher movie and if not why not yeah we, we've run into problems in that exact question yeah right exactly mm-hmm. wrong turn are those slasher movies and if not why not well i say no and we okay. so we went with it but i mean i i would just justify that by saying the fact that they have a leather face who is a, a slasher killer but then there happen to be some other guys Right. That makes TCM or TCSM, and I, I, I appreciate you adding the S because it's like we're not talking about Tur- Turner classic movies here. So, yeah, mm. that's probably good. But anyway, um, whereas Wrong Turn or Hills Have Eyes, they don't have one of them who's like obviously a Michael Myers or okay. a Leatherface or yeah. whatever. So, so, so we yeah. need the central galoot. It can't yeah. be just the clan. Like, exactly. like we have, we've got our galoot. And he's got a family. It's not just the clan as a whole. Okay. I looked at your rundown, uh, mm-hmm. and I noticed in, like, your old school slashers, you guys include uh, Peeping Tom, yep. which you can say is a proto slasher. Yes. Uh, and, okay, l- let's say that a movie that's that – A movie – well, see, that's why I'm bringing it up, because then we have to ask, is uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer a slasher movie? Okay, well, that's a different issue, because – because we we made the choice that Dahmer, Bundy, anything like that is out right away. Because Why? that is a docudrama. That is a true life killer. That is okay. not the sort of drive-in, exploitive, slasher killer fantasy that, that, that this genre is. And yeah, Hen- we- Henry is not totally based on Henry Lee Lucas, but enough that it, it fits into that category. Okay, so mm-hmm. so it, we, we can have fictitious slashers that are influenced by Ed Gein, but so long as it's not the movie about Ed Gein, we're not going to include them in slasher. Oh, oh, yep. Okay, that yep. makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, here's another question. Is uh, the Saw franchise a slasher franchise? 
that, I, so I was actually no. just going to bring I was going to bring up Saw because to me that was you know we had this conversation early on I think mm-hmm. in an early podcast um, and the Saw question was one of the most insightful ones I thought where it's like that's where you draw the line because Jigsaw is not a slasher he's sort of like a mastermind of a larger plan exactly as opposed to being a tried and true slasher because so slashers are, 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 are so slashers are defined by the fact that it's okay from the tcm thing we need a lead galoot and he has to do the job himself so yes. jigsaw because he's more of like a mastermind he's got other people working for him xyz he's got acolytes he uses booby traps it's, so it's not quite a slasher he's more slasher like yeah if you adjacent. if you bring jigsaw in then like evil surgeons and scientists and people who just murder people through you know conniving means poison traps yeah like right. that would open up the whole universe like there's a whole other we could have a whole tournament about murderers who are not slashers, right? right. So, yeah. in, in, mm-hmm. in which, uh, and the winner of that would be Final Destination. Um, oh, but, yeah, but we're having uh, Final except, Destination except. in this tournament. <laughs> well, that I, I, I'm well, Rich a can, Rich can, that. Rich let, can. Let me ask your thought process in including Final Destination, <laughs> but not Saw, because Final Destination, this the slasher, quote unquote, is death himself. I uh, saw Jigsaw I, is actually. I argue you can take you can take every frame of Final Destination, and I can get an animator to paint Death in a little hood, holding the re- holding the the scythe mm-hmm. in the frame, and you've got a slasher movie. And the you don't. Thing, Jigsaw has even got like a cool no, mask. Jigsaw, Jigsaw is literally physically distanced. Jigsaw is like setting up scenarios that people are walking to. He's truly creating traps. Whereas like Death in Final Destination is actively like pushing things forward. Like yeah. Jigsaw is putting you in a situation where you are making the decision mm-hmm. to kill yourself. Right. Death is uh, death is literally killing the people in Final Destination. He's just invisible. He just He's invisible. just invisible. I, I will disagree with that because you would be 100% correct if all of the people who die in the Final Destination movies have their heads lopped off with an invisible scythe. But they're not. They're killed by elaborate booby trap-ish Rube Goldberg scenarios. And you could say if Jigsaw sets us up, this is not a slasher. But if an invisible mythological creature does it, it now is because he might. I'm sorry. Jigsaw gives you a choice. Right. I mean, there is a distinction there that in in the in in the uh, Saw movies. You are your own killer or your own savior, right? Like, nobody's slashing you. But even though it's, yes, it's also indirect in the Final Destination movies, a entity is not allowing you or offering you the opportunity to kill yourself or, or save yourself. He's just killing you. Right. I, so we could say that the Saw movies are, in a certain way, their morality plays. In the sense that uh, these characters find themselves in these situations because they have committed some sin that Jigsaw finds uh, distasteful. And so he's going to test their moral character with a booby trap in which they can choose to either do something that's extremely painful or they can survive, which say someone else, X, Y, Z. And that plugs, weirdly enough, into the high percentage 
of slasher movies that are motivated by revenge. If the kids had not only picked on the one weirdo back when they were in high school, they would not be being hacked up on prom night. There, there is like kind of a Venn diagram crossover in terms of using this genre as a morality play. And if we were to go wider and say that all slashers are morality plays because we're we're uh, sentencing teenagers to death for getting drunk and getting laid. And from day one, these are morality plays. Yeah, you, a, a dude will come along and kill you if you do the wrong thing. And so and in, in that way, Jigsaw exactly plugs into that morality play aspect of the uber genre in a way that Final Destination does not. I mean, the, the only thing that the characters in Final Destination movies don't do is they just kind of don't die in the opening sequence. That's their only sin. And so they don't do anything wrong. They're not bad people. They don't make a bad choice. They just don't get on the airplane. They just don't get on the highway. You see what I mean? So and in that way, like I would say that the Saw movies are far closer to the slasher movies than uh, Final Destination. And, and it, it, let me be very clear. I'm not saying that one is good or bad. I'm only examining what these movies are doing. So I mean, I think you're right. I, I do think that the the morality play component of it is true to an extent. I think there are definitely movies where that does not apply. Sure, uh, of course. There, I mean, there are always exceptions to that rule. Strangers you know, is a perfect example. Yeah, it's like I'll, I'll also say, yeah. Well, yeah. Strangers is interesting. So that that actually brings up another interesting point about them, which is we found that home invasion for some reason seems to have crept into the like somehow home invasion seems to meet the bar um when it comes to slasher movies like we have like high tension we have the strangers and the the, the strangers uh pray at night um as long as it's one or two actual like masked slasher type people doing it i mean even though hot tension is not masked He's he's a slasher, right? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I would say that it's baked into Fairly. the genre from the start. If we're going to talk about, say, Black Christmas is basically a home invasion story. Yeah, uh, and so we then have to ask: Is your next a slasher movie? That that's a very good question. They're but wearing it, masks. They invade the home. They right. Use... It's it feels strangers uh, adjacent for sure. Yeah. In that yeah. regard, did we guys? Did we? seriously think about that movie uh, it didn't really we, cross my mind i i'm just gonna say mike this is so just so you know like this is a microcosm of what we spent yeah eight, months eight weeks <laughs> before the podcast like wow every discussion every time you'd say something you'd be like well i think a slasher is this and they'd be like well what about this Oh yeah, I drafted like a, at least three paragraphs, like my yeah. definition of what a slasher was. Where we sort of landed, which I still sort of agree with, mm -hmm. is a slasher is you have a checklist of ten things, mm. and if you hit a majority of those ten things, yeah, can classify you as a slasher. But again, you might have Final Destination, where it's not physically a person, but mm -hmm. there's all these other things. You might have you know, you might not have Candyman because it wasn't, it didn't fit. You know, it, it checked four boxes. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I don't agree with that at all. But uh, wait, wait, so wait, you're wait, saying Candyman? Which side? Candyman <laughs> is absolutely a slasher movie. Thank you. I, I, it, I, I don't know how you put Nightmare on Elm Street in slasher category and not Candyman. That makes zero sense whatsoever. It's like you guys have never seen horror movies before. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey everybody, John here. Unfortunately, we're missing a chunk of audio at this point in the show. It might be merciful. We were all pretty loaded at this point, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm saving you about 45 minutes of the show, rightly or wrongly. But uh, we do have the last segment, so we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I know that at this point in the conversation, I make an argument that Candyman is actually a roaming ghost, which is how the three of us, Rich and Vic and I, thought of him, uh, because he's always supernatural within the timeline of the film. He's only non-supernatural in a brief flashback. I don't know if Mike bought that, but I did convince him, as I recall, that uh, death in uh, Final Destination is a slasher because he's just essentially an invisible slasher because the embodiment of death in slasher films is usually a person, but it's metaphorically what is literal in Final Destination, meaning the Reaper, the hand of death. So um, unfortunately, the nuances of that conversation are lost to time, but uh, let's get back to it now. And we'll wrap up episode 100. Thanks for listening. As far as the the genre and where it's going, what I keep coming back to is Halloween. And uh, something I brought up when when we first talked about it, somebody said, look, like part of the reason that, that the Halloween sequels are so divisive is that Halloween has something for everybody. If you want violence, if you want nudity, like if you're just in it for the visceral thrills, that's there. But if you're in it for thematic content, if you're in it for exceptional filmmaking, if you're in it for Hitchcockian suspense, that stuff is all there too. And I feel like that's kind of a lesson for this genre moving forward. Is I feel like we hit a we hit a period where a lot of people with a nostalgic view of 80s horror just went back and were like, you know what this genre needs is, you know, tits and blood. Mm. And, like, it needs more people getting chopped up with chainsaws. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think that if, you, if, if you're going to do anything that has a real lasting impact or, frankly, a real commercial impact for the most part, I mean, there's never, there's never an absolute formula for that. But it's you have to marry those elements with good characters, good themes, a good script, good suspense, good directing. Like you have to put that whole package together. If you do that, the slasher genre lives forever. It really does. And yes, mm-hmm. like I think pulling in other elements to make it feel fresh, like I'm not discounting that. But I think you could make something like Halloween today. And if it just if you if you did it really well, I think it would still play. I think that's something that still fits in in our culture, like a romantic comedy where like exactly. just mm-hmm. just add water. You know, if you have these certain things, there will always be some people that want to see some version of this story play out again. If it's told well, yes. right, right, all right. So, final question: I can't. I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask Mike two things. Yeah, lay it on me, man. Your favorite killer, slasher killer, and your favorite final girl or guy? Uh, they're both going to be coming back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre because I love the fact that when the first time we see Leatherface, he uh, blushes someone in the head 
and drags him off behind a weird sliding door. But then he's really upset by it. And we, we also established that he wears a suit around the house <laughs> and he wears a suit around the house and killing someone in his own home causes him a lot of grief. Like he's, he's like, Ugh. Yeah, he's so upset about he's it. He's yeah. really upset about the fact that this girl has wandered into the house and caused him a lot of grief and the entire thing. And I, it's stressful I, that these people are invading so his, his realm character to be yeah. had from Gunnar Hansen and how he approaches Leatherface in that first movie. And I, and as much as I deeply, deeply love Nick Castle as uh, uh, the shape, uh, yeah, the shape, but it's still, you know, we have these, these tiny little things like Wayne nails the dude to the wall, gives him a little look. I mean, it's uh, it, most of the character comes from the description from Loomis of uh, you know why he's scary, why he's crazy, da 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 da. But I love Leatherface in that first movie, and especially the second movie too, because um, you know Chop Top is such a wonderful, crazy character. I love Chop Top. I love Chop Top. Oh yeah, I, I'll me watch too. Watch an entire movie about Chop Top. And the fact that like uh, I, he treats Leatherface like his his backup, like his glute, uh, his muscle. Like, Bubba, uh, okay, Bubba, yeah, go get her. But uh, when Leatherface has stretch in the basement of their their situation, and he tries to emotionally connect with her by putting someone else's face, uh, sawed off face over her face, and be like, yeah, we're we're the same. <laughs> You know, yes. Ultimately, the uh, slasher movie is a fear of insanity. Yeah, 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 that's fair. Yeah, and we know insanity is real, which makes it a hell of a lot scarier. We may not know demons or witches or zombies or giant monsters are real, but we do know that insanity is real. Yeah, um, and, and weirdly enough, that's what I, on the one hand, makes it the most grounded sub genre of horror but you know because real people go insane yeah that's the thing that happens every day but because the uh the insane mind goes to uh non-grounded places that's why the subgenre goes to non-grounded places that's why it, it and almost inevitably goes to a supernatural direction because yeah insanity is a wild surreal place Vic first what are your final thoughts about 100 episodes and or everything we've been talking about so far nothing great Vic well done <laughs> I chose the right co-host <laughs> yeah. yes star <laughs> no I mean look I guys like I my love of horror has been one of the driving influences in my life it's been one of the driving influences for me professionally and i thought that writing was the only way for me to express that and this whole process has shown me that oh yeah it's great to be a participant in it but there is also a lot of value and you are participating in it 
just by by looking at it, talking about it, and analyzing it. This is this is as much a part of horror as you know as as making movies, as writing, as as being a film critic. This has been enormously positive for me in terms of my relationship with the genre my relationship with you guys and feeling like we are tackling something big and monumental and it felt i mean when we started doing friday the 13th the idea that we were going to do what we were doing in the in in the depth that we were doing it for all of the friday the 13th movies seemed just beyond us we we did it, and we did it for Halloween, and we did it for Haunted House movies, and now we're doing it for slasher movies, which I think is by leaps and bounds the the, the biggest and toughest mountain that we've climbed. And I couldn't have done it. We couldn't have done it if we hadn't if we hadn't done uh, a lot of what we'd done before. And Mike, look, you yeah. helped build the Mike. You helped build the 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 foundation that we're using when we when we do the. The March Mad Men podcast. Man. The, so the I, loving I, autopsy. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. It's mm-hmm. it's you help build uh, a lot of our, our our philosophy and our approach and our thought process to this, man. And I'm eternally grateful to you for that. I so this is great. There is a lot of value to taking movies that uh, a lot of people would just ignore as like, oh, oh uh, you know, Halloween part five, you know, where the fuck, you know, da, 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 da. And actually dissecting yeah. what they're saying, what they're doing, and because I ultimately every film is a work of art, and art is ultimately an expression of the human experience. So it, it's like we, we can see it through the prism of human experience, but also the prism of filmmakers who are trying to elicit an emotional response from the audience and say something to them. And in that way, all of these movies have value. And so at the top of this uh, conversation, I was making fun of you guys. I'm just like, yeah, well, Shining, Halloween, yeah, yeah, da, 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 da. But those empty bullshit, I was just being funny. There is very much a value to watching all of these movies and having a conversation about all of these movies because we're ultimately trying to figure out not only what all of these movies are doing, but what they say about the audience that appreciates them and what they say about the filmmakers who are making them. A fun slasher movie is still a work of cinematic art. It is something that needs to be considered and appreciated in the same way that we would look at a painting in the fucking Louvre. And I will stand by that to my fucking dying breath, man. Uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is on par with the motherfucking Mona Lisa. There are still pieces of art. They reflect the human experience they are created by people who have a, a creative vision. And so for that reason, uh, watching 64 motherfucking slasher movies is definitely a thing that you should do and talk about. So there it is. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much. Rich, take us home, man. 
I watched 65 because I thought that prom night was on the list. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> um, yeah, later I learned that it wasn't. And, like I can't, I can't get that time back. Like I just lost that. Well, I'm glad because I had to fucking watch it. So, <laughs> well, I if you guys want my five slashers, mm-hmm. right off the top of my head, it's gonna be uh, TCSM, Halloween, Candyman, Child's Play, Nightmare. That's my top five. Most of them are in the tournament. <laughs> Good. I listened to the last couple of uh, episodes, and I realized that uh, I like Child's Play way more than you guys do. Yeah. I, and, and that's fine. It's subjective. But I think that the Child's Play, you know, the, the, the original movie is fucking brilliant. And the franchise as a whole has had its ups and downs. It's it's gone in weird directions. But I like the fact that uh, a franchise is driven by a singular mind. Don Mancini. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, how rare do we... It's like, I, the only other example that we have with that is Phantasm. Right? Right, yeah. In which we have a singular person... Another Don franchise <laughs> across a, you know, I mean that's important to me I think that's kind yeah. of cool it's yeah fun. it's cool I'm I, you know at a different point in time we should talk about it because I just I have a hard time thinking of you know Chucky is never going to be one of the scariest things that I can think of or the most interesting characters, you know, he's fine. I get it, but we're subverting the expectations of the slasher genre and way back in right. the eighties. I mean, already we're spoofing it with student bodies and already we were spoofing it with child's play because I, I mean, uh, Halloween and Friday the 13th, right. It's a glute. This guy sh- show up and stab you. And we yeah. have this little creature. Yeah, he's more like a gnome or a troll or an elf or something. Well, that's the idea, yeah. is he has to kill you with guile, cleverness, yeah. the yeah. elements that we ordinarily have to attribute to our protagonist. It's fucking it's great shit, man. Yeah. Anyway, so okay. I, I, I won't keep you guys awake all night, but just be aware that I can talk about the fucking child's play all the time. <laughs> well, that's... I mean, that's what we love about you, man. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. I hope we can have some more conversations in the future. To all you March Mad people out there, hope you've enjoyed our little celebration. Here's to 100 more episodes. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>